Welcome into another edition of the Craft Beer Roundtable. I was hoping for a full group tonight, but unfortunately, a little bit of things come up as they always do in life. We might have a, a, another one joining us midway through. We'll just have to see how schedules work out. But we have a fun crew tonight for the Craft Beer Roundtable. We have Neil Witty, Master Cicerone, owner and founder of Tapstar and Craft Quality Solutions. Neil, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. And then we also have who, even when he's not here, he still tries to to pass along all of his knowledge. Brian Roth, editor and writer at Good Beer Hunting and director of the North American Guild of Beer Writers. Brian, good to see you. Only 11 days left in my hard seltzer advent calendar. <laughs> How's that going? Are you enjoying it? <laughs> just just so many black cherries. I just, I'm, I'm running out of patience here. Well, I, I guess that leads us into a, a perfect topic because the I figure for the round table this time around, we'll kind of be a little more retrospective, a little, little look back. Uh, but one thing that I always find funny is, especially if you follow Brian and and some others on Twitter. Now, Brian, it's usually beer is dead. Uh, but although there's a lot of uh, talk about these these days about seltzer being dead by some of the bigger media folks. Um, so is it dead or are they just really misreading things? <laughs> uh the, the tea leaves are in an entirely other pot is how badly they're, they've been read the last, <laughs> the last six months. Um, yeah, I, every time there, it's basically every quarter, um, there is some kind of uh, financial journalist who's writing a story about the death of hard seltzer based on the, um, the quarterly earnings of Boston beer, and that's about it. Uh, there's just been a, a host of, to be quite frank, and I say this as a reporter, poor reporting <laughs> about it, um, which infuriates me to no end. Um, the fact of the matter is that, you know, I, I think even if you have a passing interest in beverage alcohol, you know, you probably got a, a whiff of these stories declaring to some variation of uh, hard seltzer has fizzled out as the headline. Um, which is about as far from the truth as it as it could actually be. Um, for the last six weeks now, we're in mid-December, Hard Seltzer has set a new record every single day uh, for the amount of sales that it's done uh, over the course of one calendar year. Um, if you put it up as uh, against other uh, beer categories, it's the fourth best-selling category uh, in in beer uh, behind um, uh, it'd be uh, like Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, um, Domestic Premium, uh, uh, Imports, Craft, and then Hard Seltzer. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, I, I can go on and on, I'm sure I will, um, but to, to, to even imagine the death of, of Hard Seltzer, um, that is uh, a, a nightmare to me, uh, just something people keep on dreaming up. Yeah, I, you know, you and you don't have to be a, a journalist to to know this. I mean, you don't have to dig real hard to find out that that seltzer numbers are still up. It, it's almost like a case where it's like growing like this, like straight up. And then all of a sudden it's like not quite straight up, but it's still like a rocket ship. And so everybody's, you know, and like a big company over forecast and had to, you know, dump some seltzers. So you know, let's run with the headlines. 
you know, it's, it's just, it's poor journalism. You see it in, in all areas, you know, you, you see it in not just beverage alcohol, but all kinds of places, you know, somebody wants to be the first one to declare the death of some major category or something like that. Um, you know, and you, and you kind of see the same thing about craft beer too. I mean, craft beer is, you know, has been struggling, uh, relatively speaking, uh, but, you know, you look at what Bart Watson was talking about the other day and you look at some of the numbers that are forecast for next year and, you know, I mean, it's a category that's still growing. Uh, you know, people want to say, uh, people want to say things are dead really quickly. They want to be the first one to say it. Um, and they also, you know, and it's sensationalism too, you know, they, they want to, uh, they want to get the clicks, uh, they want to get the attention. Well, I, I was going to say, I'm sure it doesn't help, or I guess it might help their perspective too, when you have what I, the quote unquote parachute journalism into something that someone's really not familiar with, uh, you know, cause like Coors Light Seltzer, you know, that, that was discontinued, uh, cact, was it cacti that was discontinued recently, or they're going to, you know, just let it, it go out. So, I mean, you hear that and you go, Oh, maybe it's not, but that's really not even close. Those are just some examples of, and those are actually some decently selling examples that decided to close down. Although I know cacti was real quick and then went. Boom. Yeah. Well, when there's, you know, when there's a hundred different entrants into a category and, you know, 10 of them don't stick, <laughs> you know, again, there's your evidence, but you know, you're not looking at the other 90 that stuck. Yeah. The, 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 the broader issue with cacti and, you know, we are we are pretty much right up on when I would expect some collection of you know um, looking forward stories toward 2022 or right now as uh, Anheuser Busch and Bev announced that they were going to be discontinuing cacti, some variation of these stories coming back again. The the unique thing with cacti in particular, though, so that's a number nine selling uh, hard seltzer brand family in the country. Uh, and that is only with about eight and a half months worth of sales because this didn't debut until about April uh, of this year. And so other brands had lots of runway. The big thing there, too, is you, you have to think about so Cacti is being discontinued. There's also two lawsuits dealing with that brand right now. One is against uh, Cacti by uh, a small collection of consumers claiming that it erroneously uh, leads consumers by using the word agave in the in descriptor of it, suggesting that it's made with tequila instead of being a malt-based product. And then tragically also uh, rapper Travis Scott, who was kind of the partner and celebrity endorser of Cacti, just had the horrific incident at um, a concert in Houston not long ago where 10 people died and scores of others were injured uh, during a, a rush to the stage. And so even there, you know, there is, uh, he has his own legal issues, which then touches all the things that he endorses as well. So there's kind of a, a legal tie up there too. But most importantly, if you look at what's happening with ABI as we go into 2022, they're effect effectively doing right now what Molson Coors did earlier this year with trying to parse some of their um, not necessarily poor performing brands, but just trying to figure out what brands they want to put the most steam 
behind. So, you know, a Bud Light, which is Bud Light Seltzer, which is the number three selling seltzer in the country. Uh, they also have Michelob Ultra Seltzer, which is the number six selling uh, seltzer family in the country. And then if you just go one beyond the top 10, Bud Light Platinum is at number 11. Uh, and the way I describe it is like, this is the most ABI possible move that they could have done where they just see three that are performing well. They see the names that are attached to them and to figure brand affinity is going to carry them, which is not necessarily the case all the time for hard seltzer families. So much as, you know, Molson Coors got rid of Coors seltzer so they could focus on busy. Constellation, which had, you know, Corona seltzer has underperformed, said they were going to reformulate the recipe for 2022. These are just different moves by multinational companies that are trying to set themselves up for a little more success in 2022, probably just because they either want to focus on what they think is going to do well, or just trying to trim the fat a little to let them do it better. And then, and then I kind of have an interesting follow-up because we'll get into kind of the big stories, most surprising trends, and maybe what we hope to see in 2022 here in just a little bit. But talking about <clears throat> celebrity-backed, celebrity-endorsed, where basically they're the face of a product, how dangerous can that be especially looking at now granted it's one instance of you know with, with Travis Scott but I mean there's others out there that can kind of probably be looked at as well but how do you think I mean obviously we're going to keep seeing it because they tend to be working and there's it's always nice to have that brand affiliation and massive social media followings etc but I feel like do you think they're going to maybe look twice or think twice you know before you know pulling the trigger uh, so to speak on, on these type of deals I, I don't, I don't see that. I'm, you know, uh, very, it, it doesn't happen very often that you have a, a celebrity that has an incident happen or like something tragic, like happened with Travis Scott or, or something embarrassing or, or, you know, something that just generates bad PR, uh, you know, it, and I guess, you know, there's to a certain extent, you know, companies are already pretty selective about who they're going to choose for, uh, for their spokespeople and for endorsements. Uh, but, you know, fact is, is those relationships sell beverages, those relationships, uh, you know, they make sales. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be rethinking that strategy. And that, that's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, it, it's, there's a lot to be gained from these, uh, even if you look at it from like, you know, uh, micro influencers. Uh, so that's kind of like, you know, people who exist in direct specific space in social media to like, I think the, um, the Coop uh, uh, craft brewery out of Oklahoma, their partnership with Sonic for Sonic hard seltzers. That's really smart. Like that's not endorsed by a specific person but it does come with brand affinity and a known quantity, which can excite people. Uh, the example that I love is this is not alcoholic, but what's happened with Molson Coors and their partnership with Dwayne Johnson for his Zoa energy drink, which by all uh, you know, data tracking is like one of the most successful beverage launches uh, of this past year. And the reason I mentioned that is because you know, uh, on a whole, you know, Molson Coors, a company may not have to do much advertising because anytime 
that The Rock fires up his Instagram stories that sends it to, you know, whatever number millions of people and a casual mention of that, like even if it's a small percentage who see that and either buy it for the first time or maybe just get enough of a bump from hearing about it from, you know, a person they admire uh, to maybe pick it up, like that's great advertising unto itself. Uh, and like, that's also just not like, it feels very organic uh, and maybe cl a cleaner way of it all, where if you have someone who's an astute businessman, a worldwide beloved icon, like that seems like a natural extension right there. Um, but, you know, there's also a case where like one of the best selling flavored malt beverages in FMB right now is called Lover Boy Hard Tea, which is created by a pair of reality TV show stars from Bravo. Uh, so, you know, you, you take it where you wish, really. <laughs> Yeah. And there's always going to be a risk, you know, I mean, uh, how many, how many state farm ads have you seen with Aaron Rodgers in it? Lately? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is, that is fair. And, and with social media now, you never know who's going to be the next big thing and who's going to fall off really quickly with their 15 uh, seconds. El, El Segundo out of California, years ago, they created a partnership with um, Steve Austin when he was still in, when he's still a professional wrestler, and he now does a whole host of, of pitchman gigs. Um, but their uh, Broken Skull IPA has seen one of the biggest jumps in sales over the course of 2021. Part of that is because it's it's now uh, distributed far beyond California's borders. But that's also because Steve Austin has some affinity. People know who he is and they have that attachment to it. And so, you know, it's like there, there's plenty of examples out there. There's always going to be good and bad available to point to so much as I think it's nice when we can point at something that just feels very natural, uh, where it's an extension of someone's honest interest. Uh, you know, it might not be for all I know, Travis Scott may love hard seltzer, uh, or just may have been a great business partnership for both ABI, you know, and him, but there's, there'll be examples like that all the time. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Stone Cold Steve Austin really enjoyed beer. <laughs> yes, famously so. I think it was like he was chucking like PB, shotgunning PBRs in the wrestling ring. And then when he started this partnership, it was like, I forget what it was. He actually he drank one of the IPAs. And, you know, it's like, you know, $2 million <laughs> worth of organic advertising because he did it on Monday Night Raw or something like that. Uh, I mean, I, I just love story like that, that, that I see that I, I, and, it, and those make a whole lot more sense, you know, like I said, we're looking back kind of at, at the year. Cause you know, it's December, it's, you know, the holidays, it's almost time to flip the calendar to 2022, which is terrifying. <laughs> but what are some of the big stories that you all have heard of or thought can think back of on the year? Uh, Cause I feel like some are good and some are bad. Cause obviously there was a little reckoning in the industry, uh, and rightly so, but what are some of the biggest stories that you guys, or story that you, you can think of? Well, I, I'd like to start with the death of seltzer. Um, <laughs> now <laughs> I log yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, for me, I think the, the Bell's sale, uh, that was, you know, I think, you know, that, that was just a, the, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, unless you were like paying really close attention, you know, there, you probably thought, you know, he had family in place. This was going to stay a family company, stay a private company. Um, but, uh, but the sale to, uh, 
to Lion out of Australia uh, and Kieran is the parent company. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty surprising. And then how that's tying up with uh, New Belgium Brewing Company, um, you know, and I'm I'm really curious to see how that develops over time. Um, you know, I've been part of a of a large craft brewer uh, becoming part of another company and merging all of sales and marketing and the whole thing. And it's a and it's a it's a long and difficult process. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they pull it off. I mean, uh, you know, when New Belgium sold, that was, you know, that was kind of a, that was a big deal too, obviously. And and to see the success they've had um, over the past, you know, year and a half, two years since that happened, I, I, I may be remembering the timeline uh, a little bit wrong, but it's it's been a little while now, and and New Belgium's had been enjoyed great success, um, and. Uh, you know, seeing Bells become part of that is going to be interesting to see how that develops. That was one of the big surprises for me. Neil, you're spending more time in like general on-premise spaces than I am probably these days. Is there something that you've seen from there that kind of had caught your eye in terms of taking the temperature of how things are maybe shifting or changing a little bit now toward the end of 2021 after some time of things being open? Um, you know, I, I'm seeing kind of a return to normal uh, more more than earlier in the year. I, I'm, I'm seeing uh, taps being filled. Um, I know, you know, I've seen some numbers recently about the number of open draft handles and the numbers is still pretty high nationally. Um, but, you know, at least from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot more uh, a lot more full handles than I was, you know, it was pretty, pretty normal mid-year to still see, you know, uh, yeah. maybe a quarter to half of somebody's tap handles be idle with nothing on tap. Uh, the feeling is, you know, I get the feeling that draft beer is, you know, is well on its way to coming back. And, you know, like if I didn't know what was happening, you know, seeing some of the numbers and the analysis, I would think it was already back. Um, and I'm seeing, I'm still seeing some, uh, some traditional beers, you know, that are in play. I mean, the one that comes to mind, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing uh, beers like Two Hearted, you know, uh, is still getting major play where I, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm seeing that uh, on tap more than I did a year ago, or, or actually I should say two years ago, because mm -hmm. last year didn't exist, did it? Um, yeah, but uh you know, so I, I'm still seeing the um, the kind of uh, uh, flagship beer on tap, um, but I'm seeing things being fleshed out a little bit more. Um, that's if if there's any trend that I'm seeing right now, that's that's it. Is it is it's just like a slow and steady progression towards things uh, coming back to life. Uh, you know, and I'm seeing really kind of uh, at least you know. A, relatively small sample size it kind of feels like crawlers are like coming back to earth like i've talked to a number of, of retailers who are you know thinking about just getting rid of the crawler machine because it's just they're just not selling it like they were um so you know i'm seeing a lot of that you know one of the fascinating things that's come up in some of the the year-end presentations 
that I've been tuning into lately. Um, the uh, Lester Jones from the National Beer Wholesalers Association, he does a quarterly event um, with a market research company, FinTech. And he was pointing out uh, the change in packaged beer being sold at bars and restaurants. Uh, and two of the biggest movers, uh, beating a dead horse here, uh, was the arrival of hard seltzer, um, on, which, which was supposed to happen uh, in 2020. That was the, the big play for hard seltzer, truly especially, was they were going to try to start getting packaged products into bars uh, as well as on draft. Um, they're starting to get traction right now uh, the last several months with Buffalo Wild Wings, which is uh, mandating truly hard seltzer on draft. Mm -hmm. And so like these changes that that Neil is talking about, I find really interesting where, and again, you know, this is going to be dependent on where you are and kind of where you go to drink. Um, but the opportunities that are there for both kind of the, the old stalwarts that have hold that are holding down the fort, you know, something like, you know, Allagash White or Bell's Two Hearted, and the way that a lot of businesses are shifting to a very kind of modern makeup of what their tap list or cannon bottle list may be too, because in that, you know, two year period, um, you know, for a lot of places between kind of getting back up to speed to where there were 2019, like the number of products and the kind of things people are drinking are very, very different. And so even as that's happened, from what we've been buying in grocery and convenience stores the last year, especially that kind of plays out. Um, but I ha, have either of you guys heard of best made pickle sour beer? Yes. No, I've not so, had it. I've heard of this it. is, I, I misspoke. It is best made sour pickle beer. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, it's a beer from, from Martin house brewing um, in Texas um of course <laughs> is and i am i am not joking here one of the most successful packaged beers in the country uh it has sold it's going to sell about two and a half million dollars worth in in iri tracked sales this is in, in chain retail stores um and I, I every year for good beer hunting, we do this series called signifiers where we look back at a collection of people from across uh, you know, beer and beyond who have made some kind of significant difference. One of the profiles that I wrote for that this year is about Cody Martin, who's the uh, co-founder and brewmaster at, at Martin House Brewing. Um, that one beer has just changed the trajectory of that biz business utterly and completely. Uh, and has also created this really fascinating uh, micro trend of pickle related products uh, in, in Texas. So, you know, they've had this huge, this huge success with their best made sour pickle beer, uh, which has begat, you know, free tail brewing has one now shiner just released mm -hmm. a couple months ago, a, uh, a sour pickle hard seltzer. Uh, and you see it picking up a little bit around the country too. I do not expect this to be any like a large trend so much as I do looking back at the past year, like this is something I do not think I would have expected to see a, a pickle beer. They make it with brine that's produced at best made pickles, literally 2.7 miles away from the brewery. It is trucked from best made to the brewery and they just hook the brine up, put it in their tanks and use it. Like, 
there's just something so joyful about that being one of the biggest stories in beer of the past year that I love. Yeah. And people are always, you know, it's, I think it's, when I hear stories like that, I just think that, you know, these uh, about how we've seen small brewers so consistently reach for that next thing, like, you know, try and grab onto that growth, kind of chase that hot thing. And it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, the fact that it's pickle beer is, is kind of entertaining. Um, but, you know, uh, you, you're, we've been seeing that with seltzer over the past couple of years, you know, that, uh, that small brewers who, you know, five years ago, if somebody would have said, yeah, you know, all these small brewers are going to be making hard seltzers in their breweries, you'd be like, what, why? But, you know, there's, there's a, enough uncertainty that just tells me that there's uncertainty in a lot of businesses out there. There's a ton of breweries out there right now and there's still more coming and, you know, the, the growth isn't what it used to be with beer uh, and, you know, beer's kind of getting its lunch eaten to a certain degree by some other beverages here and, and brewers have beverage factories and they're going to make beverages that sell. Uh, and it might not be beer or it might be beer with pickle juice in it or might be whatever, but they're, they're going to chase those trends. Uh, that's just like, that's, that's always what pops into my mind when I, when I hear stories like that is, is it's just an indication to me that there's still some uncertainty with a lot of these businesses out there. You mean they're supposed to make money? (laughs) (laughs) It's also like, there's, there's something inherent, you know, uh, it, there's, there are a lot of things where I think. I often, as a, as a reporter, I look at, at the business of beer or wine or spirits or, you know, seltzers, and that kind of guides the way that I think about the stories that I tell or how I, how I chat with people about it all. But there is just something so, uh, like, innocent <laughs> about this. It's like, yeah, people found out that they could have a pickle flavored beer and they lost their minds about it. Uh, and they continue, <laughs> it continues to be a major source of, of interest and excitement uh, for that individual brand, uh, for the brewery too, who have done like a spicy variant of that, a Bloody Mary variant, a grape flavored variant. Like, you know, they, I, I get it. There's a, you know, it's a, it's pickle flavored beer. Um, but it also like, and you know, there's a small contingent of people uh, who might think as much, but there's also like, I think Neil, the way that you describe it too. And, you know, it's, it's finding avenues to create excitement. It's creating trends in places that we might not have expected. Like this is what we talked about craft beer is supposed to be when we were talking about craft beer, you know, six years ago, you know, yeah. the, the kind of excitement it can create in like, in a very real way, uh, Cody and his team there are doing that. Yeah. And isn't it kind of funny in that way that, uh, craft beer, you know, you think about craft beer 20 years ago, it was all like, like, this is a revolution. We're breaking down the walls. We're breaking down the barriers. There's, you know, there's no rules. We're, we're like, we're revolutionaries. And now 
somehow there's these walls up now, these craft beer walls and these craft beer rules. And so like somebody breaks out and makes a hard seltzer or they're making an RTD or they're making pickle beer. And like, people are like, wait a second, you know, they're like, well, wait, where do these walls come from? Like you were the people who were like the revolutionaries 20 years ago. And now, you know, now all these gates have come up that like, you know, you're trying to, no, 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 you can't be doing all that. What I, what I hear there is that Sierra Nevada pale ale walked so best made sour pickle beer could run. <laughs> well, I, exactly. It, it goes back to like one of our other round tables when we were, we were kind of joking, you know, a couple years ago, 10, five years ago, you know, it might've been a, a cool, uh, you know, IPA or something that was what got someone into craft beer. And nowadays it could be a pickle beer. It could be a smoothie sour with raspberry, a, you know, all sorts of fruit, fruits you never heard of in it. I mean, it just, it's the, the door is just, I mean, I feel like it's wide open and anything's just allowed in, which is okay. Cause I mean, I think that's where creativity comes in. Cause now they have to be even more creative than before, which gets a little weird. You get those, you know, the ones that put spaghetti in it. Uh, but, also but, Martin house brewing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but again, that, that was a, a fun thing. If you actually knew what it was from, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I give people credit when they, when they do stuff like that. Cause my wife just had a, I think it was a blueberry and coffee sour. I never would have thought coffee and sour in the same sentence, even a year ago. And she goes, this is awesome. Like, I mean, just to hear, see, kind of fusions of different styles, you know, or stuff that you would have thought would have only been in a porter or, you know, a darker beer getting into something a little different is just kind of crazy to me. One of the best beers that I have had in recent memory, I had a week ago, I think it was, it was from a, a brewery in Winston-Salem, North Carolina called Incendiary Brewing. And it was a chocolate or I'm mostly listing the green greens, chocolate, orange, coconut, uh, Imperial Black IPA, um, which sounds uh, fascinating, might be a, a, a kind way to describe it when I looked at it. Um, but I could, the, the ingenuity it took to make that and make it, you know, it tasted, um, you know, those like break apart chocolate oranges where you smash it and then it breaks off into a bunch of pieces like a Brax, I think it is. Um, it tasted like that at one sip. And then the next, it tasted like, you know, a Wookiee Jack black IPA where, you know, the, the skill, even if it's, this is a one-off and there was some luck there, like the skill to pull that off was incredible uh, in something I did not expect. And like, that is also something that with regularity, I will never buy. Um, but like, that was a home run. Uh, and that was super exciting. Yeah, it's so easy to, to screw up a beer like that. Uh, we get beers at, you know, in certain categories at the judging table at like GABF or World Beer Cup or whatever competition. And, and it'll have all, you know, and you don't know whose it is. It just has the list of all the things. And sometimes you get these beers that have like, eight different ingredients and you're like oh man and it's just a giant red flag because you get like two of them and it's all muddled but every once in a while you get one where they just nail every single ingredient and and it's just this beautiful thing and it, it's really something to behold when when you get somebody to, uh, who's able to pull something like that off with multiple ingredients that really work in harmony 
And then, you know, you know, we're talking about kind of the big stories. I, I also enjoyed, you know, when, when we kind of got on this question, you know, about Bells, I also enjoyed how many people don't realize who else is owned by a large company. Um, and uh, I always find that fun on social media just to see, uh, you know, that, 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 not that I'm saying it's bad that they don't know, because not, I mean, that, that's not what you're supposed to be doing all the time. You're just supposed to enjoy beer, but it is quite funny to see who will uh, yell at someone for selling out and then literally go buy. I'll, I'll go and say a goose island or whomever that's been yeah. bought for a long time and uh you know you just 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 never know and it, it's just quite fun and uh, like i said dig their heels in i was talking with a friend of mine who works at bells just this morning and he was talking about uh somebody that you know that he works with uh, outside the business that does business with them that was like yeah sorry we're just you know we don't we only work with independent breweries and like that was the end of the relationship <laughs> and, and it has like really? seven others that, that are not independent anymore oh, or considered man. independent so 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 with that thought and, and I'm, I'm thinking we might get Lindsay on here in a second to to join us but you know what i guess this might be good to talk to brian about because you look at all the numbers pretty much every day i think you probably dream about them could be nightmares i'm not sure uh, <laughs> what 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 was something that was maybe surprising to you in 2021 because obviously it's not a normal year still you know things are still coming back around it's 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 a lot of stuff that you know it's we're kind of maybe getting back to the normal hopefully but what are some things that you've seen yeah uh, i mean looking back at the past year it's um i think the the fun thing for me is when i've seen brands or companies succeed really, really well in 2021, where um, the comparisons to last year are really hard to beat. Uh, and that's because the way that COVID forced shopping behaviors, and if we look at, you know, grocery store sales, for example, um, everything's going to be a little bit skewed just because people had to shop there. Um, but you know, I, I think I'm not surprised uh, when I see basically everything across uh, beverage alcohol basically down except for hard seltzer. Um, most recent 52 week period. So this is uh, ending in November, looking at the same time period from the previous year, hard seltzer was up like 17% and everything else was was negative. Uh, it was spirits was positive by about a couple percentage points. Um, hard seltzer was positive by about 17 points. Um, I will say this, and, and this is, hard seltzer is one part of it too, but one of the main reasons that spirits did so well in this past year was because of canned cocktails, um, where you see a lot of churn for longtime spirits companies who are now playing a game that might sound familiar to, to craft beer lovers where, um, you know, flavored versions of classic styles uh, are really kind of help prop up sales. So Crown Royal, for example, uh, this year will be the first year ever that flavored versions of Crown Royal will be equal to or outsell the classic, you know, non-flavored Crown Ale Canadian whiskey or Crown Royal Canadian whiskey. Um, and so similarly, the amount of money that uh, canned spirit-based cocktails is making is helping to give that category a little bit of boost. And I think what we, when we look at 
hard seltzer, as well as what we are seeing now from spirit-based seltzer, uh, gives us a clear indication of the way that consumers are starting to think about, you know, the kind of products they're looking for, and perhaps also most importantly, uh, the way that they want to buy them and enjoy them. And uh, welcome in, Lindsay. Hey, hey Lindsay. sorry I'm late, y'all. <laughs> I made it though. <laughs> I was all at good. a we had a Seba holiday party, so. Hey. All good, all good. So, so you, you know, Brian, you, you touched a little bit on, on the, uh, it's so crazy to see how many people are kind of doing those extensions and, and doing some of the other podcast work that I've done. It was really cool to talk to uh, Bespoken Spirits, who has an accelerating uh, on the spirit side. And while they're not allowed to tell me anything, even off air, all I can say is apparently a lot of the large companies have talked to them, which probably isn't a shock when you look at the data that you're talking about. So, so Lindsay, we're talking kind of the most surprising trends in 2021. Yeah. And Anything's- it's funny. Yeah. I, well, I wrote, um, I actually wrote canned cocktails. So the fact that when I jumped on, that was the first thing I heard. <laughs> um, of course I was like, well, at least I'm not the only one that thinks that. Um, I think, I mean, like craft beer, it seems to be kind of the same thing. We're just happy to have customers at this point. Um, cause we're still not seeing the same trends that we did, you know, before COVID. Um, but definitely the canned cocktails. I mean, I know I have a few in my fridge that are just like, um, like vodka sodas. Um, one's like a lemon, one's like a blood orange mix. Um, black cherry, Brian, Brian, black cherry. (laughs) Black cherry. Um, I think they're fun. I mean, as a bartender, like, okay, like I'll make my own, but I'm like, I even, I'm like, okay, well, if it's already made and it's already there and I can go, you know, tailgate pregame, whatever. And it's already made. It's kind of (laughs) nice. Neil, what, 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 what's you're, you're out and about what, what's some interesting things that you have seen? Um, you know, one of, I mean, to a little bit to the point of, uh, of what we were talking about earlier, you know, with taps filling up and, and to Brian's point, you know, there, there are a few more, uh, seltzers and some alternate beverages going on that, seems to be growing. Um, it seems to be the norm now if you're, you know, if you're putting in 12 draft lines, you're going to have one or two that are going to be for a cocktail or some type of RTD or seltzer. Um, it's not unusual at all to have, you know, two, three, four out of 12 or more uh, that, that are some type of alternative beverage. Um, for me, in the work that I do, uh, it's actually kind of a disturbing trend. I've <laughs> talked with a number of people recently to uh, relatively high-profile places uh, that I won't mention have had flavor staining in their lines because they're putting uh, a flavored cocktail. They put a flavored cocktail on and they've got you know 75 foot draft lines and now they've yeah. got one draft line that just tastes like pineapple all the time. <laughs> Okay, is that a problem though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that that's definitely something that I'm seeing. Um, you know, and I'm I'm trying to be very conscious about talking to people about about those concerns too, because uh, you know that's something that can really kind of screw your whole system up um, if you're not careful about what you're doing. Um, that's definitely one of the trends I'm seeing, and the can't the the draft cocktail thing, especially draft. Uh, a lot of people are, are starting to mix their own, do batch cocktails and corny kegs and, and putting them on a draft system to, you know, to make it easier to, 
you know, make, you know, old fashioned or whatever. I remember, I mean, this is, you know, 2018, 2019. So even looking at the past two years that we've effectively lost, it's stuck with us in a way through, I remember talking, Neil, with people in those years about the then revolutionary change in, in, in bartending effort where a, they would pre-mix a lot of those things. So they'd still be making the cocktail, you know, putting it into a highball glass or whatever it may be. Um, but part of the prep for night service was to pre-mix as much of those things as possible to speed up that serving time and kind of help with that turnover quite a bit. And so it's like every, you can see the line being drawn from where we were, you know, four years ago, thinking about, okay, all of a sudden, you know, cocktail culture or interest at least is increasing. So what's the way we can maximize this at the bar? And then all of a sudden we've got this proliferation of canned cocktails becoming a part of everybody's everyday life where, you know, exactly what Lindsay, the perfect point, like to, to not have to step away for 10 minutes and make something where you can reach into the, the refrigerator, have something that's packaged, you know, the ABV exactly, and you know, it's going to taste good. Yeah. Like all of these things are connected. And I find really, really interesting as we look forward to like, you know, what's going to happen next year and beyond as each of these things kind of continues to, to level up and just their ubiquitous and the ease of which they fit into people's lives. It, it is really interesting. And, but, but I guess one question I have on, on the seltzer side is because for most of them, they've kind of gotten an image. They're in the slender can. They, 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 you know, I just wonder, do they want to be on tap? Because I feel like you'd rather, I don't feel like a seltzer stands out in a glass at a restaurant or anything. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm not going out as often as I used to now that I have kids. Um, so and a young child at that. So uh, I mean, am, am I wrong on that? I mean, or, or is that just something where, again, you were talking about, Brian, to their, the package sales are now involving seltzer at the bar and, and they're being able to, to sell it that way? Yeah, there's, uh, it's, it's that kind of that badge drinking, you know, to a certain degree, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, a certain demographic in particular want to have that badge. They want to show you kind of what they're drinking and a seltzer just in a in a pint glass doesn't show you anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I, I might be reaching here and, you know, maybe you, you know, a little bit more about the demographic uh, mix, Brian, but my guess is that the, the seltzer drinkers are, are tend to be more of the badge drinkers as well. Um, and, and want to be able to display that, that thing that they're drinking to everybody when they're holding that bottle. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's an obstacle to having, you know, having seltzers on draft. And we talked about this last episode or two episodes yeah. ago, um, you know, are, are seltzers going to be successful on draft? I think that's one of the things that would hold it back. Yeah. Two, two data points, wholly unrelated. Uh, this is just kind of like throwing a grenade and running away. Um, <laughs> so if you look at where growth is coming from, from hard seltzer, I think it's something like half of the growth is coming from uh, drinkers 45 and up. 
and so that's kind of playing catch up a little bit too. And so I think there's still some some growth and play space there, trying to figure out what that means exactly. But most importantly, and I, to Jonathan, what you're talking about, and to Neil, I would be fascinated uh, if you could elaborate on maybe your experience or questions you've answered because. One of the conversations I've had with people who work in the bar space about the challenge of having um, hard seltzer on tap is the is the presentation that you know you you could put it over ice I guess but ultimately it's a clear liquid uh, that's just going to look bubbly where that might not be as enticing you know as you're drinking out of the can you can't see it. And so one of the challenges that's trying to be addressed is what does that presentation process mean? How can there be maybe a color or something that can be added along the way um, just to try to make it more than just, you know, a skinny glass with 12 ounces of clear fizzy liquid in it? Yeah, and I don't, I don't have conversations necessarily with people who are wondering about that presentation so much, but one, I guess to... I guess the the only related conversation we do have is about what it looks like when these beverages get foamy. So I might be getting a little bit weird draft geeky here, but it, it, it does have an effect on, on the appearance because with beer, when beer, you get a little bit of active foaming and there's proteins in beer and that causes head retention and so you get a nice collar of foam and and there's there's something attractive about that it's part of the appearance and the appeal of of freshly poured draft beer uh, when you pour a seltzer it doesn't have the proteins so you can get the same kind of activity and action with that carbonation and you get that gas breakout but it, it automatically collapses and then you get this like kind of flat looking beverage in the glass mm. so the presentation does suffer from that uh, you don't have that kind of sexy color foam on the beer like you do. Or, Still waiting you know, on, on my seltzer like you do with beer. Waiting on my Spiegelau hard seltzer glass. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Lindsay, you you know you're you're out and about, you bartending mm -hmm. things like that. What, what what have you seen with seltzers and any issues about it being on tap and the the appearance? Because like we said, it just it's as Neil said, it's not maybe as sexy looking because it doesn't stand out. It's not like you pour a a barrel aged beer and you're like, Oh boy, that's dark and looks delicious. You know, a, a seltzer. Now some of them with some fruit could have some color to it, but even then it's still kind of like a watered down color to me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm a fan of seltzers and we have, like I said, last time I was on here, we have a craft seltzery in Charlotte, which is cool. Um, we at one robot, we actually just, um, got untitled art. Uh, their seltzer on draft, which is a lot more colorful. Mm -hmm. um, so when I know I pour it, yeah, it like has the a nice like pretty head at first and then dies down pretty quickly. Um, but their colors are not just like the clear. It's like, I mean, right now we have like a um, one location, we have a prickly pear guava and the other location we have a pineapple mango. Um, and both are very beautiful, like a orange juice kind of color. Um, and Charlotte's kind of a I would say more like a fitness conscious city. Um, so a lot of people love seltzer just because of it being low calorie or what have you. Um, even our beers are gluten reduced. So it's not like they're just looking for an option to not drink beer. They just want a seltzer. Mm. Um, so I would say like for one row, they, they sell really well. Um, the clientele is, I mean, 
as stereotypical as they do come. Um, a lot of 21 <laughs> to 30 year olds, you know, fit women um, who are just looking for a lighter calorie drink. Um, they just are like, oh, I don't like beer. So it's like, I mean, of course I'll have them try a couple just to see if there's anything they like, but um, seltzers do well. Um, and the amount of times like I just see people walking around with seltzer cans, like it's fine. Um, they just look pretty and they look like they could be like a, you know, soda can or something like that. Um, so Charlotte seltzers are doing well. Um, I mean, with the breweries that we have, I still think beer ranks supreme. Uh, we have 13 different tap rooms slash new breweries coming to Charlotte in the next six months. Um, so we're pretty much going to be overpowering Asheville, which is insane. So I think beer is still king. Um, but Seltzer is just kind of hanging out there. People are still into it and I don't think it'll go away. And then to, to wrap up our kind of retrospective uh, thing, we're going to look ahead because, you know, what, what, why, why wouldn't, and because we're coming up on Christmas, um, <clears throat> a gift that you'd like to give the craft beer world, and that can be craft beer can be all encompassing. Uh, I asked Doug when he said he couldn't come on and he said more breweries on TikTok. He just wants more breweries on TikTok. I like that. And uh, so that's what he's shooting for, um, which which is right up his alley. He, he does a great job, even Revolution Brewing and even his own personal account. Brian, are you going to get a TikTok? Or, or, are we there yet? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is in the cards for me. <sighs> I, but, I, I, nobody's, nobody's pounding on my door asking me for one minute long pieces of content. Uh, so I'll wait until that day, I think. <sighs> I would wow. like to see one minute pieces of content from you, Brian. I yeah, would too. I would yep, you got that. three right here. And <laughs> Doug would make four. And I'm pretty started. sure Kenzie would make five. So you're, you're just, you're going to have to do it. <laughs> so, I'm a little worried about like, if you did it, like what it would do to my algorithm, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> really noted. <laughs> so who would like to go first on a gift to the craft beer or, or basically what maybe oh. you would like to see uh, in 2022? Um, is it more, you know, uh, more seltzers is it more and you know pickle beer pickle sour beer what what what, what would you like to see in 2022 i love pickles <laughs> i i would like to see the the craft beer community be uh more comfortable with doing whatever the heck they want to do um uh but i would also like to see them be more conscious of just more conscious about quality that's kind of my that's that's like what gets me up in the morning is defending quality and and kind of what we were talking about before about the the draft beer stuff uh you know make make the rtds if you want to you have a beverage factory you want to you want people to buy your rtds your seltzers your your whatever uh put them in package uh you know don't put them on drafts they're going to stain your lines and and you're going to ruin your draft system <laughs> I would love uh, to gift the, the broader beer community uh, a full 2022 without IP theft. Uh, I would I would love it'll never happen. <laughs> I would love to wrap that up and tie it with a delightful little bow. I'm gonna tuck a little note right in there from from all the lawyers so they can focus on other more important things. Uh, I would love for Bad Bunny not to have to sue a craft brewery in Florida. Uh, I would love for Hershey's not to sue a craft brewery in Pennsylvania. I forget where it is. Um, I, I Brewery should be able to do whatever thing brings them happiness and joy, except steal the intellectual property created by other mm -hmm. people. 
<laughs> Amen to that. But, but haven't everyone else been doing that for years? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lindsay, you're up. Um, I have like two answers. One's gonna be more serious. Okay, that's good. Um, I I just want I just want more diversity in craft beer. I mean, I feel like that's what I've been fighting for since july with all like rap magic and stuff i just want everyone to if they want to brew if they want to be in beer if they want to learn uh they should have every equal opportunity to no matter what they look like you know who they love you know what they believe in whatever they should be able to you know do everything in the craft beer world um also i just just i want breweries to make more money this this coming year uh, i want them to all succeed and thrive and i hope no one has to close their doors just because of COVID issues. Um, I hope it's like a fresh year that everyone just thrives, whether they make non-alcoholic beer or cocktails or seltzer or beer or whatever they want, I guess. <laughs> I just want everyone to do well. I think that's, I mean, that is what this time of year is all about. Mm-hmm. But and, and, and to your, your point and others, I mean, really beer, alcohol in general is supposed to just be what brings people together, yeah. sit around a, a bar tell stories or a table or at your house or, or wherever. Um, you know, I, I'm, I really hope to see more of that, that we don't have these stories of, of folks, you know, breweries gone bad, basically that, that need to be called out. Cause I mean, that's always going to happen. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Every business, mm-hmm. you know, sector goes through that. Um, but <clears throat> I also hope to see more fun collaborations. You know, we talked about this in a, another round table, you know, Hershey's in, in Yingling. That was, that's a fun thing to see, Um, you know, and I even see it because I kind of talked about this, I think maybe in the first or second one, uh, especially where the the worlds are colliding is what I would like to say of the bourbon whiskey world meets the the craft beer world. And I mean, nowadays you you see beer with, you know, uh, Buffalo Trace, you know, bourbon barrels used. I I would love to see more of those type of collaborations, the Four Roses and, uh, was it New Belgium or uh, yeah, New Belgium? Was it New Belgium? Um, you know, that the Brooklyn and, or maybe it was Brooklyn and Four Roses or yeah, Brooklyn and Four Roses and uh, New Belgium. And I forget who, I, I don't know. Brain's going, <laughs> going, going sideways here, but I love to see those things because you get to see some real creativity and, um, you know, it's fun when people collaborate. And that's what craft beer to me has always been about is people helping out each other and, and collaborating and coming up with new ideas because, it's real fun to have these funky beers. I mean, granted, I'm drinking like a Mexican lager tonight, but I've also enjoyed, you know, barrel aged salted caramel, uh, uh, you know, from New Holland Dragon's Milk. You know, these just these fun things that you see. And and uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. You know, I, I think those are fun. And especially like when you get two giant companies like Hershey's and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yingling to collaborate, uh, that, that's just really cool to see. I agree. And I think it actually brings um, more money and obviously a bigger market to the craft breweries. Um, like I did one that was Hardywood in Richmond with uh, Sheets, like the gas station, and they do those couple clubs. And then I did a uh, French's mustard with Oscar Blues. So like, I think oh, it's I fun. Yeah, I got to, I mean, it was like, I mean, I think it was, they just did, it was like a white ale, just had like coriander, salt and orange peel. Um, but those are fun because it's like you tap into markets that aren't craft beer people, but they're more intrigued. Just like, all right, what's the deal here? I want to try this. Why does this have peach rings or watermelon rings from a gas station in this beer? But I feel like there's more money behind it to help that brewery, you know, get their name out, but also 
makes it fun, something that they would normally not do. <laughs> and, and Brian, that goes back to your, your favorite beer that you just love, the, the best made. <laughs> it's meant to be. <laughs> Which I, I just love that. And I guess to, to wrap it all up, is there anything else that we would like to just mention from 2021 and, and uh, before we you know say cheers one last time? Good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas beer. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep let's keep this trend going uh, away from 2020. 2021 was was like little improvement let's uh let's continue the trend i I, w- I would love to see that i hope people get out i have noticed more people out um in lexington where i live in, in kentucky i hope uh, others get to to get out and, and enjoy a, a beverage of whatever they choose uh you know i always like to say drink what you like with who you like so uh and, and uh lindsey neil brian I, I appreciate it as always Kenzie, Doug, I hope everything is going well for y'all and we will hopefully see everyone, maybe fingers crossed, in 2022.